to the Work Life Flow podcast, where we moms take the reins of our lives, explore our options, question the status quo, and demand more from society. Here we come together to tell our stories and share tears of frustration as well as tears of joy. But most importantly, we come together to inspire you to create a work life integration that works for you. So pour yourself your favorite beverage and come hang out with us. Welcome to Work-Life Flow. Today, my special guest is Molly Christensen. She's a joyful mother of seven amazing children. She earned her degree in mechanical engineering and since then has found great passion in being a mother and homeschooling for the past 20 years. After a rough start with trying to make her kids learn, she's found that it's so much more fun when she guides her children on their own journeys. She has founded multiple successful homeschool co-ops, written mounds of curriculum, and taught many classes to youths and adults. And she's written some books as well. Molly is a trained life coach and popular speaker. Despite swearing, she never wanted to speak in public again after ninth grade speech class. She runs her own business, Building Heroes Academy, where she helps homeschool moms find the balance of running a home and homeschooling while raising their kids to be heroes. She believes that all people were born good and have greatness to develop. She's passionate about sharing her love of learning and encouraging others on their journey to greatness. In her spare time, she loves learning and reading, snow skiing and hiking with her family. Join me in welcoming Molly. Hi, Molly. Thanks for coming on today. Hi, Kirsten. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be talking to you too. As usual, I would like for you to start out by introducing yourself a little bit and your journey. Yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned, I have seven kids. I actually got married pretty young, right out of college. Actually, I was still in college and then started having a family. And I graduated in this engineering degree. And I'm not really sure what I thought I was going to do with that when I had a baby and everything too. But I realized it really helped in helping me engineer my family because I could see different patterns. And I was trained to think that way. So I love that. But basically, after I got married and started having kids, I I really kind of felt like a mess because I did not know what I was doing. I mean, here's this amazing little human being. And I'm like, what am I really supposed to do with this kid? You know, so awesome, but I'm so disorganized. And I really want this kid to just live up to this amazing potential that I can see when I look at this child. And then I started having more kids and, and starting getting feeling more chaotic. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I started looking forward to sending him off to school. And when I realized, I don't know if I can do that. I started getting this feeling that I should homeschool him. And I thought that was a terrible idea. Because I thought, you know, I'm too disorganized. I can't even get through the day without tons of messes. And, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I would always joke, well, if it were rocket science, I'd be more comfortable with that. But this is this is homeschool, <laughs> right? <laughs> so when he was four, I was getting that feeling very strongly that I should homeschool him. And when he turned five, I sent him off to kindergarten. And I didn't listen to that feeling because I was too insecure. I thought there was no way. I also have an interesting 
perspective too, because my parents had actually homeschooled my younger brother and sister when I was in high school. And that was back in the day when this was kind of a pioneering thing to do, kind of a crazy thing to do. And I thought it was crazy too at the time when, so I was like, no, I can't do that. So I sent him off to kindergarten and while it was okay, I could not get that feeling out of my heart. And he was also starting to bring home some behaviors and things. I'm like, I know I didn't teach you that, that I didn't like, you know? And so for first grade, I finally decided, okay, we're going to practice in the summer before first grade because, you know, six-year-olds, they love to do school all summer long too, right? So (laughs) uh, that's basically what I did is I started copying everything that I'd seen. And I had, I did tons of research. I got all this curriculum, made my very, very detailed plans. And I started homeschooling them in the summer before. And it was kind of a disaster because, you know, know, I was trying to make him do all his workbooks that he really didn't want to do. Now, based on that experiment, I probably should not have decided to homeschool him come fall, but I realized I needed to burn my boats and be fully committed and go all in. So that fall, I decided I was going to start homeschooling him for reals this time. (laughs) And it was still quite a struggle. So as I kept going, I was like, this is rough because we are starting at like nine o'clock in the morning and I'm just nagging him and trying to make him learn the entire day long. And all he wants to do is play, which, you know, in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense because he was a six-year-old boy. And so I started saying, okay, I spent so much time making all these plans. I got to make them happen, but they weren't the right plans. And I realized I did need to adjust. And so that's when I realized Really, the first thought that I had to change that schedule was to just start reading out loud to him at the beginning of the day. And I argued with myself over that because I thought, well, no, that's the only thing that's motivating him. (laughs) Because I tell him, get your work done and we can read this book and we wouldn't always get to it. But he loved that part. He loved the read aloud. And so I finally just thought, well, what I'm doing is not working, so I might as well try that. And so that's what I started to do. And I started to realize that as I help him understand or, well, help myself understand that really what I'm not doing, my goal is not to fill his head with information, but to help him love learning. And as we created better feelings in our home, wow, things Mm -hmm. did start to change very gradually. And it changed very significantly as well. So that was kind of the beginning of my journey into where I got now. But then like a few years later, I came across the pattern of the hero's journey. And when I learned about it, I thought, oh, that's a cool pattern, but I didn't think much more about it. And it actually wasn't until it kept coming to me that I realized I should probably pay attention to that pattern because it kept coming to me. And, And I realized, well, it's really a pattern for our own lives. So when I can use a pattern in my own life, it means that it's going to make my life more predictable and more understandable. I mean, I'm not going to know everything that's going to go on in life, but when I can use that pattern in my life, I can understand how my choices are going to affect things. And I also could apply it to my children's life 
as well. So when I realized really our lives are just these heroes journeys and we all have different ones, but they all have similar patterns to it. Then I realized I could help my kids go on their journeys instead of trying to always make them go on the journey that everybody else says that they should go on because that's not always the right path. So that's when I decided that I needed to teach that and help people understand that we are all unique individuals. And that's one amazing benefit of being able to homeschool is that I can focus that a lot more, but whether or not you homeschool, you can still use that pattern in your life. That might've been a little longer than you wanted, but <laughs> no, it's totally fine. So for my listeners who are not so familiar with the hero's journey, could you explain it a little more? I think we might know a little bit about it from books, like the way you write a story, but maybe you have a different insight. Yeah, for sure. So the hero's journey, you know, I was first introduced to it through identifying it in English literature, and it's probably in other languages too, but that was the class I was taking. And <laughs> they uh, showed the pattern in in the stories, how that happens. And then if you start looking at Hollywood, all the movies, they all follow the same hero's journey pattern. And then it's been a popular thing among entrepreneurs to follow that same pattern to tell your story in the pattern of the hero's journey in marketing as well. So the way it came about is from Joseph Campbell, who was an Oxford professor in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And he's the one that kind of codified this pattern because he had been studying all these ancient myths of the world from all these different cultures on all these different continents. And these different cultures weren't talking to each other, but they were telling the same story. So he found that fascinating and he started writing down the pattern. So all these different myths and, and stories that they told had different patterns, I mean, different details, so it's fun because you have all these different stories, but the same basic pattern. And it basically starts out with um, an ordinary person, a person who doesn't think they're very special or anything, just like you and me. And then they get a call to action. And that call to action is to do something good that's something greater than them. And it's going to take them out of their comfort zone. And when they get this call to action. They don't want to do it because they're just an ordinary person. They don't know how to do this. They can't do, you know, but then they realize they have to do it. There's something inside of them. That's just saying, you got to do this. And so they take the plunge and they dive in. And that's when they start going on this journey into the unknown because they don't really know what's going to happen because they've never done this before. And that's part of the reason why it's uncomfortable and it takes you out of your comfort zone. So then when you go on this journey to try and figure out this quest, this call to action, this thing that you're going after, then you're going to be hitting into obstacles and things are going to get in your way. But you're also going to have allies and a mentor who have been on this path before and can help you along the way. But then you're also going to have enemies and people who are like, you're crazy. What are you doing this for? And they try to stop you. But at the end of the journey, we know that the hero will have success because that's what makes it a hero's journey <laughs> because they keep pressing through and they get to the end. 
And so when I learned that and I started saying, wait, that is the pattern for life. I'm getting calls to action all the time that I say no to. And then I canceled the rest of the hero's journey. But when I'm aware of this and I'm getting other calls to action and I do them, wow, that makes life an adventure. And I learn and grow along the way because the hero is never the same at the end of the movie that he was at the beginning. And they go through a whole transformation. And that's really the pattern for learning and growing in our whole lives. We have like one whole big hero's journey, but then we also have mini hero's journey all the time. And I've just found that the more aware that we can get of these calls to action that we are personally getting, and the more we get out of our comfort zone and do them, the better. Because the more we will learn and the better we will become. And that's what I was learning too about my kids is they don't want me telling them all the time what to do. I want them to learn how to choose what is best for them and what is right for them because they're getting those calls to action all the time too. So just shifting that whole perspective took a ton of pressure off of me because now all I have to do is teach them how to go on their journey and how to hear their calls to action and act instead of me trying to worry about filling their heads with every single bit of piece of information out there because there's so much. And then I have to worry about gaps in their education. And I, and now I don't because I know that they will go learn whatever it is that they need for their journey. In that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense. One question that came up in my mind right now is you're saying we are getting one major call to action, which is basically our life story, I guess. Or that's how I envision it. And then within that, we get minor or smaller calls to action. What do you use to distinguish which calls to action you follow or not? I know. And that is such a good question. And I wondered that myself as well. You know, because a lot of times I'll hear people saying, oh, you got to live your life mission, you know, live your purpose. And I'm like, but I don't even know what that is half the time because I'm you know, feeling so chaotic and busy or whatever. But what I found is, is that that big call to action, we usually don't hear that or see that until we start following all these little calls to action. So what I did, and I didn't even realize this was going to be the pattern for me to learn how to do this. But probably about eight years ago, I said to one of my kids, I said, hey, I... I have noticed that people who are consistent in posting on things, they get, they get more noticed. So what I want to do this year is make a blog where I do something kind every day and I'll, I'll blog about it. And I said it out loud and my son said, yes, that's a great idea. And as soon as he said that, I said to myself inside, that's actually a terrible idea. I have never been consistent at anything before. And I started beating myself up and saying, who am I to think I could actually do that? Blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. So that was a call to action, right? Then you get to the point where you're like, well, how do I know if I actually should do that or not do it? Okay. So there's got to be some sort of a litmus test. And I realized, okay, I probably should give it a try because well, my son said it was a good idea. So, you know, I had some outside influence, but I thought it was a good idea. But also I knew it was going to get me out of my comfort zone. I knew it was going to teach me something. 
And I knew that it was a good thing and it would help other people if they happened to read it, right? My book, it could encourage other people. So I thought, okay, well, what do I got to lose here? Well, I could look really stupid because I didn't actually do it. Like I said, I was going to, or, you know, I could fail. And that's, that was really the only thing stopping me, right? So when you look at it from the sense that if that's the thing stopping you, that you might fail, then maybe you ought to look at it and go again and just say, yeah, but you might succeed, right? So I did start doing that. And what I learned is I made up these rules for myself and I said, I have to do something kind every day. And it can't be something I would already do. And it's got to be something that I think of because I wanted to start getting more in tune with what I was thinking about. And I didn't realize this was a call to action back then, but it didn't matter. So because we all do this, right? And so I started finding that I was rejecting a lot of these ideas to do good in my mind because I thought people would think I was weird or I thought that I wouldn't know how to do it or that I wouldn't have enough time or wouldn't have enough resources. And so as I started doing these little calls to actions, I realized that really my litmus test is, is it going to do good? And then I knew if I got the refusals, like I knew it was going to get me out of my comfort zone, then I knew I really should do it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> because then I knew it would grow me. So the whole year long blog of kindness posts, I can tell you that I did actually fail on that. I did do it for the whole year, but I think I only posted maybe 40% of the time, it, but it wasn't a failure because of what I learned from it. And so the great thing is, is I realized this is how we teach our kids. We just periodically will do kindness daily challenges. And by putting it in this smaller box, it seems more doable of just saying it has to be kind. Okay. It doesn't mean that everything that you, you may have a call to action to do is going to be construed as kind, but it, it's probably going to help people, right? And it's going to get you out of your comfort zone. So we will do kindness daily challenges with our kids where we'll just say, okay, for the next seven days, every day, think of something kind to do and do it. But watch out for the refusals. So if you think of something kind to do, and you start getting refusals, I notice for me, I get at least three. And then I'd be like, oh, I got to do this. It's a call to action. And then I'll do it. So like I, I can give you an example. Okay. One time I was standing in the copy store and I hadn't done my kindness daily for the day. And I was making a lot of copies. And I overheard this girl talking to the cashier. And she was short like a dollar fifty or something, which is not a lot of money. And <laughs> she was trying to figure out how to pay it. And then she's like, she remembered that she had a two dollar bill in her car. And two dollar bills are are kind of rare in America, but they're still only worth two dollars. <laughs> and she brought it in. And she was explaining to the cashier that she really didn't want to spend it because she had been saving it, and she felt like it was lucky. And that's when I got this call to action. Give her some change, you know, or give her, give her the dollar 50 for heaven's sakes, and, you know? 
And then I got these refusals. I said to myself, well, she's going to think I'm really weird if I go hand her money. And then I thought, well, I don't even think I have any money. And then I thought, oh, I'm not going to have enough time to get the money out and give it to her before she pays the cashier. Okay. So I noticed that I had these three refusals. And then I said, wait, I had those three refusals. I better do this. So I hurried to open up my wallet, pulled out my change. I had just enough. I handed it to her and I said, hey, I don't want you to spend your $2 bill. Here's some change for your copies. And she was definitely did not think I was weird. She was so grateful and so happy. And it made me feel so good. And I was like, yes, that's how we go on this journey called life is we listen to those calls to action. We follow through on the calls to action and we realize, you know, when we've been trying to refuse those calls to action that get us out of our comfort zone. So hopefully that that helps some of the signals to know if it's really a cause to action. Is it going to help other people? Are you getting the comfort refusals? <laughs> you know, And, you know, that's the main ones. Is it good? Are you getting the refusals? That's kind of how we know if we should do it. Okay. So thinking back to homeschooling, you have a program now that's basically sort of teaching this pattern of the hero's journey to apply it onto homeschooling. How could you tell homeschooling parents, how could it help in their journey? Yeah, for sure. So one thing I learned is that if I wanted my kids to step up and go on their hero's journey, I was going to have to start paying attention to mine. And I was going to have to start listening to the calls to action and act on them so I would understand how the hero would go. I mean, the journey, the hero's journey. And so when I was thinking about homeschooling, well, how I could improve it, because I was already homeschooling and I was thinking about the hero's journey, I was, I was realizing that part of our problem with the whole educational system is that we are so focused on just trying to get all the information into the kid, which doesn't really work because as we all know, when we go study for a test and it's only for the test and there's no context and no purpose except for the test, we will forget most of that information after the test. You know, like I'm great at taking tests. I can memorize things, but then as soon as I take the test, I don't hardly remember anymore, <laughs> you know? And so I, I was thinking, how can we make this apply to the kids more? And how can we incorporate the hero's journey? And I, I realized that when we can make information more contextual, when we can make it more applicable to the kids, they're going to remember it a lot more. And so what I did was I was like, okay, let's take the focus off the academics and put the focus on the kid instead. And we're still learning the academics, but as the kids can start to see how all this stuff applies to them, they are going to remember it so much more and they're going to learn it so much faster. So when we go through the academic parts, what I did is I went through and I was like, okay, what principle of life does this apply to? And so for every bit of academics, what the kids are going to start to do is they're going to start to look at what they're learning and see how it applies to them. So we could say, okay, let's do a volcano study. 
okay, how does a volcano apply to you? How is a volcano like you? We're still learn all the stuff about it, but like maybe sometimes you feel like a volcano and maybe you can't help but erupt like a volcano. <laughs> Can a volcano stop themselves from erupting? They do that to release pressure, right? But maybe if you feel like a volcano sometimes, maybe you have the ability to release pressure over time instead of waiting till it all builds up so you do erupt over everybody, right? And so that gives more context to a volcano, to a kid, than just saying you have to know this so you can fill in the worksheet so you can take the test. So I wanted to put it all in the context of helping our kids understand that what we learn is all about us learning how to take our journey. And our journey is all about us learning how to help other people. And so the more we learn, the more we can help other people because we have that knowledge of how to do it. And so as we apply principles of life and success and leadership and good character to the academic stuff, we can make those connections and they learn so much faster and more deeply that way. And they remember it. And it's fun. It's fun. It is. <laughs> I always say that homeschooling is so much fun. (laughs) Once you let go of the filling of the cup, like you said, like filling them with knowledge doesn't work. We we do a similar thing. We do experiential. So we usually start with an experience and then wherever their mind takes them, that's where we focus on. I heard you say leadership. And I always say that being a mom is a leadership position and not everybody or not every mom identifies with it. But from all that you said, for example, I heard you say that you are the one who's walking the path. You are showing how to live life by living it in front of them, by having open conversations, by yeah, modeling your core values. That's where your hero's journey comes in, right? So what I wanted to say is when we think about leadership also, I come from the emotional intelligence coaching and I heard you say the volcano example. That's for example, that is emotional intelligence, which is really, really valuable skill to have. And so when I look at leadership, I, I see that we live in a union, right? We live in with a team. I, I see our family as a team, for example. I see that we can apply, like you recognize the hero's journey pattern and you applied it to homeschooling and to your family. I do the same with those leadership tools. I just extrapolate that I'm a scientist too, and maybe that's our common thread here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just think that once a mom or parents start thinking about it as a leadership position, they have access to so many tools that they can use where they actually can help, they can model life, they can help their kids learn and grow into those amazing human beings that they are meant to be by taking total notice of the individuality of these people. And you have seven kids. So I am assuming that your homeschooling journey with those seven kids looks totally different for each. Oh, yeah, it totally does. But at the same time, it all has the same pattern, right? But that's the beautiful thing is the details can be different. We can individualize that way. I mean, I don't think I'm not sure I could have individualized without understanding that they each have their own journey. Anyway, you know, with seven kids, it's funny because sometimes you think, oh, yeah, I got this figured out. And then the next one comes along and you're like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I mean, I just have had to learn that more probably than most people, but anybody with more than one kid can see that they're all different and they're all unique and they all come with their, their great purposes and talents is that they can use to help other people. And, you know, you're mentioning too, you know, some parents don't see parenthood as a leadership role, but I totally do because kids don't do what you say, they do what you do, right? And if I want them to become better, I'm going to have to lead the way and I'm going to have to become better. And I kind of really hated that when I figured that out because I'm like, oh man, now I have to change, you know? <laughs> but but it's, it's so worth it because kids are really great motivators to get yourself to change. Yes, they are, huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for me, for me, it was, for me, it was a huge change. Yeah. I recorded actually an episode about this, about the transformation of motherhood. But I think, I think this was my hero's journey, for example, but this was one of them where suddenly I had this tiny human being that was dependent on me and it opened up everything inside of me. And I had to <laughs> like the whole way that we've been walking right now that our life has changed so much and I never thought I would be homeschooling <laughs> because in my country it's not even legal officially well there's a way to do it but but it's not common so I had never really thought about doing it and yet <laughs> my son in kindergarten struggled and so we, we decided to pull him out and and so this was a huge journey of Reevaluating all our beliefs, basically everything came undone, and we're still trying to understand what is happening and and what we believe in now. But it's an amazing journey, I think, if you're willing to do the work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think motherhood, homeschool, those are all calls to action that people get, and we when we go into them, I think sometimes we tend to think as human beings. Okay, well, now I made this choice. It's going to be really easy, right? Like, I'm going to start a business. It's going to be really easy. And, and when the obstacles come up, we start going, oh, I'm no good at this. I, I'm not meant for this. I, I probably, I, I made a bad decision. But it's part of the journey to have those obstacles come up because that's how we learn how to do it. And that right there changed my whole perspective on learning too because... I mean, I remember I had the same, this thing with homeschooling. I thought, okay, well, I've made all these plans. I figured out all the curriculum. I got this. It's totally going to be easy. And it wasn't. I mean, sometimes it'll be easier than others, but you're always, always going to run into these obstacles that are not there to stop you, but rather to, they're there to teach you so that you can change and you can become better and you can teach your kids what to do when you hit an obstacle. Do you just complain and grumble and fall down and want to collapse and say, I'm terrible at this? Yeah, sometimes you do do that. And then in that case, you're going to have to realize, wait, that's not the best way to deal with this right now. Let me <laughs> recalibrate and let my kids know that there's a better way. Yes. So I think also what people underestimate, I think, is that homeschooling and one of the things that I say is because a lot of what we talk about too is like, how do I integrate my life, <laughs> my work and homeschooling at the same time? So a big struggle is a lot of people, I think they focus on time management and it certainly has a role and it has, has a, 
an important role. But I think what is more important is the relationships that we have in our home. So can you share what are your thoughts on work-life integration and, and have you found, I don't know, system, anything that works for you? Yeah, for sure. So really, I think sometimes we're so used to this idea that school has to be separated from life. It, it has to be between these hours, you know, and maybe that works for some people to block it out like that. But really, we've just found that homeschool really is life. And so it flows a lot better <laughs> when we just embrace that. And I think as we reframe the way we see children and how they learn, it's going to help a lot too, because we tend to believe that the kids are only learning if they're doing a workbook or reading a textbook or maybe playing an educational video game, but we still feel slightly guilty about that because it's a video game, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. And so we kind of think that's the only time they're learning, but life is just such a, an amazing learning laboratory. So they are always learning. Like right now I'm on a podcast and normally I would be doing our learning time together right now, but the kids know, like sometimes we just have to adjust and it's okay. And so they're learning, Oh, look, mom, mom's getting on a podcast. You know, that's a little out of her comfort zone to maybe be on a podcast but she's doing it and then they're figuring out what they can do in the meantime. And they're, they're learning how to make choices of how to spend their time, which is a great time management technique as well. So for us, it, it is just like what you say, it's more of a flow. Now I know some people can work really well with very highly structured in a highly structured system. And we do still need structure at the same time. Because if we just always just got out of bed and did whatever we felt like doing, we probably wouldn't do much other than watch videos and eat food that nobody wanted to make. So we would eat more junk food, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but instead, we kind of, for our flows, we kind of just more like have blocks of time where, you know, usually in the mornings we, we have our morning routine and routines help us just get the things done so we don't have to look at the dishes and say, I don't feel like it, you know? <laughs> and then, <laughs> so yeah, so we still have the routines, but we still go into the flow and, and we say the kids are still learning even when it doesn't look like they're learning because kids learn through play and they learn through movement and they learn through nature and all these things. And they learn through when we read together and they learn when they're interacting with each other and, there is so much more learning going on. And truthfully, workbooks are not the most efficient way to learn. And so, I mean, we learn through setting goals and following through and learning how to make ourselves do what we don't want to do and make ourselves stop doing what we don't want to do. <laughs> kind of the battle of life, right? It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe going back to your hero's journey again when do I say no <laughs> yeah. but um 
how is your day schedule? Like you said, you have your routines in the morning and then you have like sort of blocks of times that you use. How do you make sure to fit time for yourself, for your partner or, you know, or do your kids help at home? You know, how do you like work together like a team, like I'm, I'm a proponent of? Yeah. I mean, that's, that is always the goal to work like that. And I told you I, I minored in statistics because I love the idea of continuous improvement because uh, that the, with quality control, you're always just trying to make it a little bit better. And, and of course we're never perfect at this. And, you know, I always have, I have my dream day in my mind. I don't know if we've ever hit it, but we're always getting a little better. <laughs> and so, and, and I think that's an important thing to let, let, our brains know this is a process, not an event. You know, I can get an idea of how to improve our family flow, but it's a process. It's not going to be like that. So um, basically the way our days flow is I make sure I get up earlier to do my self time where I can journal and read and that sort of thing. And I, I didn't do that for a very, very long time because I had so many kids and I was so overwhelmed and so tired. And I kept thinking to myself, well, I need to do a power hour, but I never had an hour. And it wasn't until I figured out, you know what? A power one minute or a power five minutes would be better than no minutes. And so for, you know, your emotional management, you got to start somewhere, right? So that's what I finally started doing was just starting with like five minutes. And I think I finally worked up to the hour thing now. Well, most days, but <laughs> anyway, so that's what I do. And then we all gather as a family in the morning, we'll do a family devotional and then we'll do um, the kids all have their assigned chores and I'll do those mine too. And we, you know, it, like I said, it's not perfect. We just had to do a reset here because I'm like, okay, you guys are doing your morning chores, but it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's slipped a bit. And so we just did a challenge. So we're like, okay, let's track it and, and see if we can get it done by 10 AM. And, and if we can do that for a month, then we'll go out and get everybody their favorite to go fast food. Cause we don't do fast food very much. And then uh, we usually do a family learning time in the morning. Well, correction, the older kids will be working on their own things, but sometimes we'll listen in <laughs> too. <laughs> and then um, we'll do lunch and then we'll have in the afternoon is usually when I schedule time to do like my work and that's when I tell them that's when you guys do your projects or maybe they'll go play or whatever. And they have certain things that they can do in their free time and certain things that they're not going to be allowed to do. Like, you know, probably can't go chop wood unless you have a parent to watch you or, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we're going to still have boundaries, but I also tried really hard to protect their time. So I didn't fill it up every minute of the day with somebody else telling them what to do because I want them to learn how to choose what to do with their time. And I tell you, sometimes it's a real struggle too, because sometimes 
the kids are like, I'm bored. Or sometimes they're not using their time productively or sometimes, you know what I mean? And so as a parent, it, you know, I want them to learn how to choose how to use their time. And I don't want to tell them everything, but it, it's a process. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But also we have to kind of give them those opportunities, right? Now yeah. it's a low, it's a low risk opportunity to choose what you want to do. But eventually they're going to have, you know, they're going to be on their own again and exactly. they're going to have to make choices. So if they, if we don't let them when they're younger, what choices, you know, what, how comfortable will they be in making choices? For sure. And I actually think that's one reason why I felt like I was such a mess after I got married and had kids is because I did not know how to choose my, what to do for my time. I, and how to make myself do what I want, needed to do and wanted to do and, and stop doing the things that I didn't want to be doing. I didn't know how to do that. And so, yeah, as we allow that, that's going to help them be able to make the choices in the future as well. And then in the afternoons, my kids do also have their activities too, like dance and sports and whatever. So with a lot of kids, that is a lot of driving, but it is nicer now that they are older and can drive. So that's been good. And then I'll make dinner and we'll have dinner together as a family most nights You know, sometimes there's people not there, but like, you know, it's, it's a process, but it is a really good thing to have dinner together. But at the same time, I know that's really, really hard for a lot of people to make that happen. And I know sometimes the kids will complain or like, oh, we don't want it, you know, <laughs> and I just say, well, hey, that's where I just get to hold my power and say, this is what we're going to do, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know. And then in the evenings, sometimes they'll have activities, but we'll also do family activities too. Like maybe we'll go skiing tonight, even though it's going to be 60 degrees. <laughs> Our season's almost over. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the flow of our days and, and kind of how it goes. I love that you said it's a process, not an event, because it's really, it's evolving and I mean, if we as adults change <laughs> over time, our kids are developing, so they're they're changing really rapidly. And, and so we have to take that into consideration when we create our flow, our time blocks and everything. I really love that. So it's a, it's a process. Oh, I agree. And I was going to say too, um, <laughs> that's the other problem too, is, is we will come up with the perfect plan for our day And maybe we'll even get everybody to buy into it and it mostly works, but then it's right. There's always going to be something that changes because there's, because people change, circumstances change, events change. <laughs> so, so it's, it's really in this world, I think that the huge skill to teach our kids is adaptability because we got to always keep on testing the system and measuring it to see how it's working and which is really just awareness and looking at it and then adjusting because it's always going to need adjustment. And yet our brains still think, Oh, I should have it perfect by now. No. I mean, I've been homeschooling for 20 years and I'm still having to adjust my schedule. I'm still having to adjust what we do, you know, because everything keeps changing. And that's, that's a really good skill to remember in this world because the world keeps changing too yes and then throw a pandemic on top of it <laughs> exactly. exactly i think that was a huge change for everyone um so yeah 
I like I said, I really love your your take on this. Where could my listeners connect with you and find out more about you? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook under uh, Building Heroes Academy. And also that's my website as well, buildingheroesacademy.com. Awesome. I link to this in the show notes so they can find you. And again, it was such a pleasure having you on. Um, I'm pretty sure this was extremely valuable for my listeners. Thank you so much, Molly. I hope so. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Work-Life Flow. As always, you can find all links and websites mentioned in the show notes. Make sure to get your copy of the four must-have checklists for kids so you can sit back and relax while they are getting ready on their own at kerstinkirchsteiger.com. That is www.kerstinkirchsteiger.com. And remember, keep being brave and share your story.